Yeah. Wearing a mask, social distancing, these sort of things should not be political issues. That this has politics has nothing to do with it. No, not at all. There's they, yeah. it has nothing to do with who's president. It has nothing to do with who you vote for or will vote for. The only thing it has to do with is saving people's lives. What's up, guys? Uh, this is Jordan with me coming all the way from Michigan this time. Uh, my buddy Jared. Hello, Jordan. This is Jared. I'm pretty sure this is Jared. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking to you guys about skepticism, believe it or not. Uh, but uh, specifically how it relates to making decisions in an uncertain environment. Yep. And uh, you guys may have heard uh, something about a virus epidemic that's going around um, called COVID-19. If you haven't, just Google it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you'll get lots of good results. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're all having to make decisions about how we act, what we wear, um, how we behave. And these decisions, for better or worse, have impacts on every on both ourselves and everyone around us. Right. And but unfortunately, because this virus just came into existence, it just evolved uh, <laughs> or depending on your outlook was created by a divine being to punish us, I guess. Or a lab um, in China. Or a lab in China. Right. All equally viable and probable um, conclusions. Uh, anyway, so it, it just evolved. um relative release recently from a family of related viruses. And so the information we have on this particular virus isn't complete. Correct. And it's changing every day. So we're going to talk about um, what that looks like in the real world and how you can apply skepticism um, in the situation of uncertainty, and then talk about the implications of all this, you know, why skepticism is important. Right. I think too, this is important because most of our podcasts are obviously focused on skepticism, but we usually say, you know, be skeptical and then try to get the best information possible and make your decision. Well, in the case of COVID-19, the information isn't really that available or it's incomplete, like you said. And so how do you make those decisions if you don't have information? How can you be skeptical and make sure you're making a, an informed decision with you know. So before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by the confirmation bias. It's probably, mm -hmm. yeah, it's my, my favorite bias. My favorite bias too. I think it's everyone's favorite bias almost by definition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the confirmation bias is the human tendency to examine evidence and see what they want in it right. to, to, see the evidence that confirms what they already believed and ignore the evidence that disconfirms it. Yeah. So you're interpreting evidence in light of your own bias, and it's most likely going to confirm what you are, the previously held belief or theory. Right. And that, that kind of gets into like counting the hits and ignoring the misses a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it could also be something as simple as, you know, you're watching the news and the, a news anchor says something about, I don't know, maybe a political person like Donald Trump. And then so you're like, yeah, that confirms what I already believed about, about Donald Trump or Joe Biden or whatever it was. You know, you, you don't necessarily take all the information in. You're, so, yeah. Um, so that's something to keep in mind as we go through this. You have to be we, we're all subject to bias, um, myself included. And uh, you have to. The, the only way really to fight it is just be aware of it. And so if you find information that confirms what you already thought, you should keep looking. Um, maybe what you already thought was right, which case, great. But um, you should be more cautious if you go to look and it turns out everything confirms what you already thought. It could be because you were right. It could also be because you're falling right. prey to confirmation bias. It's, it's, it's almost as simple as like, you know, I took carpentry in high school and middle school and stuff and like measure twice, cut once, you know, it's, mm. it's that whole thing. Like all right, I measured once it confirmed the measurement. I'm going to measure it again just to right. make sure. Yeah. Right. So uh, in today's changing world, uh, we're seeing the scientific method 
kind of front and center. Uh, you've seen this in the recommendations changing from the CDC and other uh, healthcare providers. At first, it was uh, you shouldn't wear masks. And then in April, everyone should wear masks. Um, it was it can stay on surfaces. And then it turns out, nope, no, it can't stay on surfaces. Surfaces are fine. Um, and It'll so, go away in warm weather. Nope, it's not going away in warm weather. <laughs> well, that wasn't so much a scientist. I was just a joke, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, recommendations and things have been changing. And so that has caused some people uh, to doubt the uh, understanding or competence of the people making these recommendations at the CDC. And um, it's caused confusion. Under, and also it's caused kind of um, frustration because the sources the people we rely on for this information don't seem to have all the answers. Yeah, and it's also causing people to act irresponsibly. And they're saying, well, you said before not wear a mask, and now you're saying to wear a mask, so I'm just going to not wear a mask until you make up your mind. Right, exactly. Yeah. So what's happening here is that people are seeing how the sausage is made in the scientific community in a way they don't typically see it. Most people don't read peer-reviewed journals regularly and don't like follow a particular field. And so by the time the science gets to you, it's already gone through a long, rigorous process, and then you have a reliable answer. Over but years, it, typically, over too. Over years. Yeah. yeah, years of time of back and forth. But what you don't typically see before that is this sort of phenomena, where you have a study that says X, and then another study that says something a little bit different, then you'll have you know three studies and they'll all be contradictory. And it takes time to figure out what was the difference between this study and that study. Why did they disagree? Uh, maybe one study was poorly constructed. Maybe they were measuring things slightly differently. Uh, maybe they just got it wrong. And so there's a whole back and forth process that happens in peer review. Um, over and in the scientific community over the course of years and sometimes decades before they finally figure out what the answer is. And you never see any of that. Yeah, never. <laughs> yeah. all, all you see is um, somebody on TV saying, hey, you should wash your hands. Right. <laughs> or and, wear prophylactic, whatever it is. Right. And so because COVID-19 just came out and they're kind of whipping out these uh, studies as fast as they can while still being rigorous, but, you know, Obviously, people are focusing on it. So whenever a study comes out, it immediately get bl gets blasted to everyone. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing kind of in real time how the scientific process works, where, you know, for instance, uh, the study you've seen, we'll go into studies on wearing masks later, but one study will say it was effective. Another study will say it's not. And, you know, so it you kind of have to look at the whole aggregate. Right. And you have to also realize that what's happening right now is we are collecting our data. We have hypotheses, hypotheses, mm -hmm. the multiple of hypothesis. It's hypotheses. Hypoth we have hypotheses and um, we're collecting data. And right now that, that that data is being presented to the public at large when typically it wouldn't be. And so. Right. So that's not to say uh, that you shouldn't listen to doctors. And that's not to say that they have no idea what they're talking about. It's simply to explain if you hear if. If the recommendations change, this is why. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's been listening to this podcast or um, has embraced skepticism generally, because whenever we get new information, we should change we, our minds. Yeah, we reevaluate our positions and make our minds up according to the new data. Yeah. Exactly. And so changing our minds based on new information is a good thing. That's what we would want to do. Yeah. And so... Uh, for instance, originally, the CDC, the WHO, did not recommend people using masks widespread, only if you were sick or taking care of the sick. Um, that was originally because they didn't know how readily the virus transmitted through the air um, and how vir virulent it was. And they were also concerned that people, if they said everyone go wear a mask, they'd go buy up all the masks. Yeah, and then, and then their critical care workers don't have enough PPE and so Right. And so the, the concern was we don't it doesn't we don't know how effective it'll be in the general public, but we know that healthcare workers need it, so let's not recommend it for everyone. Yep. Then over time we discovered how readily it transmitted through just speaking, um, and how 
many people could be sick and not realize it. Um, and that is what caused the CDC and others to change their mind with that new information and have yeah. different guidance. And we'll, we're going to get into the what the actual what some of the actual studies, not all of them, but what some of them say about the efficacy of wearing masks. And then we'll talk about why the CDC. We're mainly talking about the CDC because they're here in America, but you have the WHO, the NIH, all these other organizations, um, why they came down with the decision that they made later. Mm -hmm. So that's your primer on what we're seeing. And so uh, in addition to what we've been talking about, because we've mainly been focusing on the CDC, you've also got other sources of information, your friends, every single one of them on Facebook who suddenly are immunologists. Mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you also have every single person with an MD up to their name on TV talking about viruses and, you know, infections and spreadings of the, all this stuff. So in some ways, the information is incomplete. In other ways, there's almost too much information. And so when you've got um, conflicting reports, you've got some people who say their doctors saying one thing. You've got other people saying their doctors saying a completely different thing. What do you do? So here's some ways uh, that you can, some flags you can look for to differentiate what's a good source, what's something that should increase our confidence in what a source has to say, and what are some things that would decrease it. Well, as a skeptic, we want to check and see what their credentials are, first of all. Who is the person speaking? Why are they qualified to speak on it? And kind of start there. That's our baseline. Yeah, like I'm not qualified to talk about this at all. No, neither am I, uh, which is why you shouldn't, if I pronounce that, uh, you know, masks are great and everyone should wear them, you shouldn't believe it because I said so, because I, no. I'm in no way qualified to say that. You should believe it based on what credible sources say. Right. Um, we are not a credible source. <laughs> no. no. Um. Yeah. Uh, another thing that can increase your confidence, generally speaking, actual experts publish in peer-reviewed journals or other scholarly sources. They don't publish their results on YouTube or no. on Facebook Live. Or, or announce um, it on, you know, Fox News at night, you know. Yeah. Or BuzzFeed or something. like. Or go on the Glenn Beck show and... Yeah. Uh, that actual like researchers don't do that because they are busy researching. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and most actual researchers aren't the kind of person who even would feel comfortable going on TV. You know, I'm making a broad stereotype here, but people who yeah. do research tend to stay in labs and in books and stuff. It's like, That's why they're researchers, exactly. <laughs> not, uh, not PR professionals. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's not to say that they don't have spokesmen because, you mm. know, Scientific organizations are very aware that the public needs information and they want to communicate that. So that's not to say that they won't release press statements. And sometimes if uh, even the study authors will do interviews and stuff, but they're talking about the research that they did and published in this other place, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So if, if the guy doing the interview is talking about, I did this study, here's where it's published and here's what we found that could be credible. If the guy's on Facebook Live saying, you know, lizard people are trying to use the virus to turn the frogs gay, that's <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean he's wrong. It just means that's just a flag. Yeah. It, that should With, be a, a big, big red flag. Yeah. A big rainbow flag. Uh, that that kind of leads me to the next one that's, that's a, a sign of a good source. You'll notice just if, if you spend a lot of time reading peer-reviewed journals and the people who write them, uh, they tend to be very conservative in the things that they claim. Right. Um, and I don't mean conservative as in like politically conservative, small c conservative. Um, more, more of a refrained. They don't want to say too much about something. Right. And so they tend not to make sweeping proclamations about what is universally good or bad. Uh, they tend to speak with a lot of disclaimers um, and a lot of caveats because in the real world, th th things aren't black and white. Um, 
So, for example, if you hear Dr. Fauci talk about um, social distancing or about crowds, he always says um, he usually will refuse to give specific, like talk about this specific instance. He'll say the studies have shown that situations like ABC are more likely to increase the likelihood of that they right. increase the likelihood of transmission. Yeah. And what you need to what you need to be aware of and a flag would be if somebody starts to editorialize like uh, something. They, so they make a claim or they start with a piece of evidence, but then they go on to some other they're out in left field or they took a left turn by Albert at Albuquerque somewhere. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, just to recap, here's some good flags. If they are actually trained in the field that they're that they're speaking on. Um, that they're publishing in, in peer-reviewed respected sources, and they speak in a, a restrained manner, kind of based on the evidence. They're, they're not going wildly speculating. They're talking about what the evidence yeah. is. Um, on the flip side, some people don't do these things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're... There are some bad experts, and how can you spot them? Well, it's kind of, most of these are just the inverse of the good ones. Uh, they have flimsy qualifications that aren't, that don't apply to the situation at hand. Or they're loosely tied to it in some way. Right. Um, and this one can actually be a little hard to spot, because, for example, anyone who has a PhD is a doctor, in the sense that they have the title of doctor. Doctor? Right. Uh <laughs> However, when we're talking about medicine, what we really mean is an MD, right? A, a doctor of medicine. Right. Uh, so for a great example of this, uh, there was a guy, Dr. Eric Nepute. I think that's how you pronounce it. Who says it? Nepute? Nepute. 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 So for example... You were close. I think mine's better, personally. Uh, but there's this guy, Dr. Eric Naputi, at a, the, I, wow, that's such a ridiculous name. Anyway. Dr. Uh, Dr. Eric. Dr. Eric, out of St. Louis. Uh, he broadcasted on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. And he had some advice for everyone listening. So I'm telling everybody right now, if you know someone who's got flu-like symptoms, if they've got uh, symptoms of uh, COVID-19, the cold, the flu, whatever, go and get some either quinine and or Schweppes tonic water. Let me just tell you this again, quinine and or Schweppes tonic water. I need every one of you people to be sharing this right now. I mean, everyone, every person needs to share this because there's a lot of bullshit going on right now that everybody needs to know about. And I'm going to throw some common sense at you because most people aren't looking at this. Okay. He's throwing some common sense at me and I need, I need quinine. I need quinine and Schweppes. Tonic water. I don't know if he's sponsored by Schweppes or not. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, so here's here's the thing. Uh, and, and he is Dr. Eric, right? He's clearly in a medical environment. If you look at the video, he's like in his... Uh, in it's, a, in, it's, a, it's an exam room. It's an exam room or whatever. Uh, here, the, this guy, though, he's a chiropractor. If you look into him, he is not a medical doctor. He's a doctor of maybe fixing people's backs. But Jordan, he's wearing a, a medical doctor's scrubs. He is wearing scrubs. Uh, not quite as good as a lab coat. Had he been wearing a lab coat, probably would have believed him right away. Uh, but so his qualification, while he is a doctor, it is not. he is not a doctor in the specific region of immunology or epidemiology. In other words, he's not an expert in infectious diseases. I would argue he's not an expert in anything, but that's a different podcast altogether. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> he is at best an expert in chiropractic for whatever that's worth. Yeah. Uh, so he's not qualified to speak on treatments for COVID-19. Now that, again, this is not to say he is wrong necessarily. But that's the first flag. Right. So it's he just... You, you you shouldn't take this as oh a doctor is saying this. You should say as some dude on the internet says this. You know, yeah, yeah, some dude on the internet said this. Let me do some further research to see if it holds water. Right. And kind of tying it to the other ones, you can see 
the kind of language he was using. Very broad, sweeping statements. Every single person listening to this should be drinking tons of quinine, like every single person. This is not how actual experts tend to talk. Right. I think a good example of this, uh, and I think you have this queued up here, but um, is Trump with the uh, the lady uh, who was down in Texas and speaking on hydroxychloroquine. And so Trump said, well, she sounded credible and she was a doctor. And so he started sharing the information. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Dr. Stella Emanuel. Yeah. So and this is an example of not being skeptical at all. Um, Right. And maybe a little bit of confirmation bias on Trump's part because he had taken hydroxychloroquine and said that it was good. And so when he hears a doctor speaking about using hydroxychloroquine, you know, he's going to say, oh, this is credible. Let me share this information. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in this case, she might have this particular source, Dr. Stella, might have passed the first hurdle because she is a pediatrician. So she actually has a degree. She's got a medical, a medical doctorate. doctorate. Yep. She's an actual medical doctor. Uh, you should be, first of all, she's not an epidemiologist. So it's better than Dr. Eric, who's a chiropractor. She's closer to the field at hand, but she's not an epidemiologist. She's not an immunologist. So she's a little bit further removed from the actual specific topic that she should be talking about. But uh, nevertheless, she is a medical doctor. Uh, but if you look at some of the other things she said, um, she's demonstrated a willingness to believe some dubious <laughs> ideas. Yeah. Uh, Which we have to be careful that we're not um, making an ad hominem attack here. Yeah. So uh, we're not saying that because she believes some dubious things that she's wrong about right. COVID-19. That is not what I'm saying. She could believe all of the things in her videos and also be 100% right on COVID-19. Right. We just want to make sure that this is this is a flag, and so we need to right. look at it more closely. Right. And so for an example of something that she has said in the past, uh, she has some interesting things to say about how people get pregnant. You know, I need some good educational materials because my kids are, you know, getting to the age where they're starting to learn about birds and bees and stuff. So do you yeah. recommend that this would be a good source for that? Uh, it'll be a source. It'll be a source. It'll be a source. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's see what she says. Evil spiritual pregnancies. We have seen a lot of them. They call them fibroids. They call them endometriosis. They even sometimes actually like a pregnancy. It's called a molar pregnancy. You, you are pregnant with this thing that looks like grapes. It, it comes out in the pathology that it looks like a big bunch of fluffy looking grapes. These things are evil deposits of the spirit husband. Most people believe that the spirit husband and the spirit wife, the incubus and succubus, they are the same spirit. They turn into a woman, then they sleep with a man and collect his sperm. Then they turn into a man and then they sleep with another woman and deposit the sperm and reproduce more of themselves. Because of the way they are, they can angels cannot reproduce. You understand what I'm saying? So they can use human beings to reproduce more nephilims. And people will be like, nah, that's not possible. How can a spirit sleep with a human being and produce a child? That's not possible. Really? How was Jesus born? checkmate how is jesus born how was jesus born really how was jesus born yeah. oh my gosh uh, i mean so hey, but yeah she got a point that is that is true uh so cystic fibrosis or whatever it's not an actual medical condition demon sperm that's what causes it leading cause oh wow uh why haven't we heard about this though like like who could be suppressing this truth well I've got two words for you, lizard people. When the Lord had me research this stuff, oh my God, there's stuff that if I tell you, there are people ruling this nation that are not even human. I'm telling you. I remember one day on the prayer line, I dealt with this reptilian spirit. Reptilian is half human, half whatever, half ET. 
We had a lady on the internet that was saying that he's half human, half demon. He's like saying that, well, they are good ETs. You know that was, they are good demons. Right. Wow. So there are lizard people, but wait, it gets better because yeah, what are the lizard people doing with this power? Well, they're using their half half reptilian, half with demon people. Yeah. They're using their DNA to treat viruses. Mm. That is why the Bible says in those days when you take the mark, because when some of those things come inside of you, you're no longer human. You've lost part of your humanity. You know that they're using all kinds of DNA, even alien DNA, to treat people. Mixing human beings with demons. Nephilims exist these days. They don't look anymore like 30-foot giants. They look like you and I. Hallelujah. Now she, she's not crazy, right? Like, she knows that they're not 30-foot giants. <laughs> they look like you and me. Yeah, but I mean, they're the spirits of them. Right. The, the... So, this is the oh. source. This is the source that the President of the United States... Um, cited in air quotes cited he retweeted this video with her in it and she was touting the drug of his choice now that shows a lack of skepticism he que- I, I doubt he was aware of her beliefs on demon sperm and lizard people running America um, yeah. but it just goes to show if this is a flag if someone has, de- has demonstrated a willingness to believe things without good evidence they're more likely to believe other things. Exactly. Without right. good evidence. So it's kind of um, it, it's a reliability thing. If some if you know that your friend lies all the time, right? He, he's an habitual liar, and then he tells you about some other amazing thing. He could be telling the truth about that new amazing thing, but you know he has a, a tendency to lie, and yeah. so you should be. There was a children's story about this that I was told when I was a kid. There was this little boy in a village, and he cried wolf. Yeah, well, see, the only thing about that one is, in the end, he was correct about the wolves. Oh, yeah, that's right? true. So That's true. Like, I what think if he more... coyotes in the end? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right. Uh, if the person that you're using, this medical doctor, believes that, um, cysts are caused by demons having sex with unconscious women when summoned by witches, and that lizard people are running America. I don't know. Maybe maybe scrutinize her yeah. claims a little harder than whatnot. Yeah. Um. So summarize some bad flags. Uh, if the person is not an expert in the field that they're talking in, um, particularly particularly if they are not upfront about that. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're trying to pose as an expert, but are not in fact, that shows um, either some dishonesty or ignorance, one way or the other. Um, and that, so just an example, that happens all the time on on media sources like the news and stuff. What they'll do is they'll bring in somebody with an MD or a doctor in their title as a one of the talking heads. And they're talking about a subject. And so we need to, oh, we need to examine that. Like, what are they an MD and what are they a doctorate of? And mm-hmm. so people and, do it all the time. And also just keep in mind, like, there are a lot of medical doctors out there. A lot. You know, in a population that large, you could find somebody, you could find someone who believes some crazy stuff, right? Like, if there are a million doctors, chances are one of them thinks the earth is flat. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Or one of them believes that demon sperm cause uh, cystic fibrosis and, and pregnancy. Yeah. What, and... yeah. Um, so just just because someone has a title doesn't mean that they're reliable. Um, so we've talked about how to recognize some good sources and how to recognize bad sources. Um, I think we should dig into our main topic today. Yeah. Which... Now that we're halfway done. Which is COVID-19, and we're going to look specifically at masks, because this is a good case study for us to to show how we can be skeptical um, and and make an informed decision in the absence of information. Right. Uh, So the first thing is to be sure what question we're asking. 
Um, so what we're trying to figure out here is, um, should I wear a mask? Of what type? You know? Yep. And, um... Where and when. Where, when, and why. Yep. Yeah. Masks, where, when, and why. Um, the claim being made by people at the CDC and WHO is that, uh... If everyone was wearing a mask, widespread mask use would reduce transmission of COVID-19. So uh, all I did to find these sources is I Googled COVID-19 mask use studies and kind of sifted through what I found. So you could find the exact same sources that I did. Um, I didn't do anything special or secret. And I think it's important to recognize, too, like um, most times what would happen is an ideal case would be we would have hundreds of studies out there and somebody would do a meta-analysis of these studies to get a, a consensus of what all these studies actually mean. We don't have that right now. Um, and so what we're doing is saying, all right, without that meta-analysis, we can look at some of these studies and, and get a good idea of what is going on. So, so, uh, one of the sources I found was community use of face masks and COVID-19 evidence from a natural experiment of state mandates in the U.S. That was published by Layu and Webby um, in June. And what they did was they looked at the spread of the virus in Washington, D.C. specifically, and they tracked it day over day um, and looked at when the mask use mandate came into play and then examine the data to see what effect that mandate may have had. Mm -hmm. What they found was after um, when the mandate went into force, um, starting at that point and then getting the, uh, the virus had a reduced spread and that reduced spread started at like a percentage point or so. And the effect got a little bit stronger over time. Um which a percentage point may not seem like a big deal, but when you're talking about something that grows exponentially, right. um, changing even a small amount early on can have a big effect later. Um, now, this is looking at just one city, and it's very much correlation, not causation. Right, because there's other things that could have caused that or could have been in, in conjunction with that that may have right. given those data points. But Just off the top of my head, the people in D.C. may have heard that there was a mask mandate, which made them more fearful and therefore were less likely to interact with other people. Right. That could have caused the same effect. So, um, And these are the kind of questions that a meta-analysis would answer for us. Yep. Uh, one, uh, one of the studies that I found was called Testing the Efficacy of Homemade Masks. Would they protect in an influenza pandemic? And this was by Ann Davies and um, et al., one of Jordan's favorite sayings. <laughs> um, and this study was done to examine, you know, how effective homemade masks were versus alternative like commercial face masks. And so they concluded that homemade masks should be only could be considered as a last resort to prevent droplet transmission um, from infected individuals, but would be better than no protection at all. So th their analysis determined that they're okay, but they're not as good as like a actual manufactured mask designed to prevent droplets spread. Which I would hope so. I mean, otherwise, why are we paying for all these manufactured masks? You know? Right. That's what I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and was that was that one speaking about PPE, like incoming? No, this is only speaking about ex expelling uh, droplets. Okay. Um, it wasn't the method they used was they took a bunch of household materials, uh, and then they used. Um, viral aerosols to try to spray through them um gotcha so uh so that that data point tells us that at least according to their one experiment a manufactured mask would be better than a cloth mask but a cloth right. mask was better than nothing yep. uh another one respiratory virus shedding and exhaled breath and the efficacy of masks uh this one showed a significant so what they did is they did kind of the same thing where they um had people 
who were infected or not. Let me actually pull up the map to make sure that I'm not getting my studies messed up. You know it's been a couple days. Conflate, conflate studies. Yeah, it's been a couple days since I actually read this study, so let me make sure. Yeah, okay. So this one looked at people wearing surgical masks, not cloth masks, and they screened hundreds of individuals, tested whether or not they were positive or negative for the virus, and then um, had them exhale through the mask and like collected the breath um, to see and then what? exhale without it and to see how much virus was transmitted. Um, and they found that there were significantly less detection of droplets with the virus. They tested people both infected with the flu and also COVID-19. Um, so it wasn't 100%, but there was a significant reduction by wearing the mask. In other words, wearing this particular mask made you less likely to breathe out the virus to someone else. <laughs> and they said that that supports the notion that masks should be used in conjunction with other method, uh, other efforts such as washing your hands, social distancing. Right. Another really cool one, because it's a video, uh, visualizing speech-generated oral fluid droplets with laser light scattering. So what they did, literally what they, they had... Uh, the sample size on this one's pretty small. It's one dude, so... <laughs> but just to kind of give the public a visual representation, they had a they used laser light to scatter off of droplets. So on the video... You actually see the droplets come out. You actually see the droplets. So when the guy speaks, you can't see the guy because it's dark. But when you see... When he speaks, you can see all the droplets that get picked up by the lasers. And so when he, he spoke without a mask at all, and it was just like Star Wars. Drop with <laughs> and then he put on a cloth mask, and there was nothing. Like, you, you couldn't see anything at all. Wow. Um, not definitive proof, but just another, because we're just, we're gathering data here. Yep. You know. Then the last one I have is face masks against COVID-19 and evidence review. So this one isn't a meta-analysis, but it's a paper that's Looking at several several papers right. so kind of the next step towards a meta-analysis um so they they kind of gathered the evidence about it um in one spot they found that uh cloth mass had a significant effect in stopping exhaled particles uh one of the things that the effects that they were particularly interested in was that um even though it helped with smaller aerosolized particles mm -hmm. Um, it obviously did a better job with much larger droplets, which is good because those larger droplets are more likely to travel further, and then when they hit a surface, they then evaporate and aerosolize. And they spread further. Right. Uh, they noted that surgical masks, like you said, are better, and they have a PPE function, meaning it can help protect you right. inbound, not just exbound. They estimated the economic uh, benefit of wearing a mask to be... Uh, equal to several thousands of dollars, several thousands of dollars of treatment. Wow. So by, by wearing a mask, you're saving the medical community. It was something like $3,000. Hmm. If their, if their modeling was correct. And so th their takeaway was even if the benefit of wearing a mask is modest, the collective eff effect of everyone wearing them would be significant. Right. Did you have any more? Uh, I had a couple, but I think, um, I have a couple more studies, but they all conclude basically what we've already stated so far. And yeah. so what we can do is we can we can list them in the show notes, and then people can yeah. look at all of them. But I think at this point we've kind of demonstrated that the masks, uh, mask wearing, while maybe not the most effect effective method, we'll get there. So we've we've got our information. We've done some data gathering. Okay. Yeah. We got our our information from peer reviewed sources from people who are experts in the field mm -hmm. and seeing what they had to say. Um, I, I think we should be upfront in saying that this is not conclusive. Um, none, nothing that we've shown is conclusive. There's no like um, definitive link between wearing masks and having reduced transmission. Right. There's no like meta analysis to um, make sure that like we're, we're not seeing the one study that showed a result and missing all the others, you know, mm -hmm. um, but 
for better or worse, we're still stuck with the information we have. We have to make a decision. Should I wear a mask? And if so, when and where? So if we're going to be skeptics, uh, we should first be, we need to be mindful that we're using reason, not emotion to make this decision. I, I don't like you when you say that. I want to be emotional about this. Well, you it, can be emotional after you make the decision. It's my right as an American not to wear a mask. It's in the Constitution somewhere. I haven't read it, but I'm sure it's in there. <laughs> Page two. Right. Um, and so we should be running some kind of mental analysis on the cost benefits. Like, what are the likely benefits if I wear it? What are the drawbacks if I wear it? What are the, and what are the potential risks if I'm wrong? You know, so what we've the the information we got was that masks probably won't be very good at protecting you unless you're wearing like a N95, which has been properly fitted. And right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're wearing like an actual respirator, it's probably not going to help protect you very much. What it can do, however, is uh, reduce the likelihood that you infect other people if you're sick, especially if you don't know it. Right. Um, so that's one possible benefit. Uh, what's the drawback? Like, what's the cost? Well, you got to get a mask, first of all. Right. So the cost is you're mildly annoyed at wearing this mask, and it costs you a couple bucks to put together, and you have to wash it sometimes. So yeah. mostly, like, some mild annoyance and the cost of, like, a, a decent meal at Five Guys. Um, and the benefit is you don't kill someone else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think that's the most important takeaway is that the evidence is suggestive that it be effective. The cost is very low and the benefit, if you're right, is enormous. Right. This is, this is the key. It's like you're weighing the evidence, you're weighing the cost versus the benefit here, like doing a cost benefit analysis of. Yeah. And looking at the other side, okay, let's say that the masks, let's say I'm wrong and the masks were not effective at all. Then I'm out. I, I was annoyed for no reason and I'm out a few bucks. Yeah. A couple bucks. Right. What if I don't wear the mask and I was wrong? What if I say that they, the masks aren't effective, but I was wrong about that and they were effective? Well, you saved yourself a couple dollars, and you weren't uh, you weren't annoyed about wearing a mask. You weren't annoyed, but you might have been annoyed about all the people yelling at you about not wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that has its own cost benefit analysis right there. That's true. That's true. Maybe conforming is not that yeah. not that bad, <laughs> uh, but. To get that benefit, you potentially led to someone's death. Yeah. Which, let's not be dramatic here. That is a potential outcome. You could yeah. be completely asymptomatic. And if you're not wearing any kind of covering whatsoever, you may spread it to... And it could be a family member. Right. And I, I think... What we have to keep in mind here is it's about protecting other people. It's not about yourself. Right. So even if you are young, fit, healthy, the risk is lower for you. It's not zero, but it's low. Um, but if you're not wearing the mask, if it is in fact effective and you give it to someone else, they might not be young, fit, and healthy. Or they might have someone at home who isn't, you know, maybe... Uh, I have a friend who's uh, immunocompromised, you know, so every time her husband goes out, her husband's a young, fit guy. But if you were to give it to him, he would bring it back to his wife and she could very, she, right. she's at a high risk of dying, you know. Yeah. So, so the effects would not necessarily be right in front of your face, but you can't, like, there's no question that there's a danger. At this point where I'm sitting right now when we're recording, 162,000 people have died. That's a lot. Um, and before you say that it's, oh, that's just the flu, you can check the CDC data that the flu kills between twenty and 50,000 people a year. 
And that's without people wearing masks, staying six feet apart from each other, staying at home instead of working. Yeah. Well, another thing, uh, just to go back to masks real quick, let's say that, that we determined in six months that masks had no effect on a physical, from a physical standpoint, like it didn't prevent, prevent any transmission of the disease and it didn't prevent any incoming of the disease either way. One thing I heard somebody say um, and talk about, and he actually was an, an expert in um, infectious disease, but was that by wearing a mask, you also have a reminder on your face for you and everybody else around you that we are living in a pandemic. And that alone may be enough to keep you six feet from somebody. It may, you may be alone when you enter a building and go, oh shit, he's wearing a mask. That's right. Pandemic. Let me stay away from these people. Like there's a psychological effect of wearing a mask too that we haven't really talked about, but needs to be added into this cost benefit analysis. Right. And so, so this just goes to show why skepticism matters. We've hit it. We've talked about it on, I think every episode about how important it is. But usually we're talking about things like not believing the earth is flat or, you know, whether God kind of, exists or something silly that doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Stuff that doesn't have any effect whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, 160,000 people are dead and they're dead in in some sense because of a lack of skepticism. Yeah. Because, of, of proper skepticism. Because, because people... that skepticism led to either inaction or wrong actions. Right. It, it led to situations where people are going to spring break in the middle of a pandemic without a mask rubbing all over each other Yeah, or going to, uh, what was that? That concert. Uh, the chemical something or another, uh, cocaine addicts. I don't remember. I know you're talking about. Uh, no, that's going to bug me. It, it was a young group. Um, Cactus Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, starts with a C, I'm pretty sure. Searching, searching, searching. Okay. What chain smokers? That was it. C. I told you started with the C. Chain smokers. Yeah. 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 Cause you to go to a concert and be next to people. It could have caused you to go say, you know what, I'm going to go to a political rally and sit in the middle of fifteen thousand people. Right. And so, had all of these people been properly skeptical, examined the evidence, and made a decision not based on their emotions or how wearing a mask felt but on the cost, the benefits versus the evidence, I don't think anybody could reasonably come to a conclusion with what we know now yeah. that they shouldn't wear it. Not, not to say they may not have come to that conclusion early on, but because it's all about the cost benefit analysis, right? Like it's like, un unless it, let's say we had zero evidence, we had no evidence whatsoever, one way or the other, but some doctors said, Hey, based on our expertise, we think, that wearing this mask might help. I would argue the proper thing to do at that point would be the wear the mask. Yeah. They said, I think it might help, but I have rights though. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I, and I think we, this gets back to like the main point and why we really wanted to harp on this is that somebody that they asked me, there's like, isn't being a, isn't being skeptical. It is hard. Like you're just always being skeptical of everything. And it's just like, it's too hard. And it seems seems like it's uh, overwhelming or something to that effect. And I was like, not really. I mean, I want to believe as many true things and as few false things as possible, you know? Um, and if I have to spend a couple extra minutes to think about something before I make an action, you know, and I still fuck up. I do that all the time. I make, I do stupid stuff. Yeah. Wearing a mask, social distancing, these sort of things should not be political issues that this has politics has nothing to do with it. No, not at all. There's the, yeah. It has nothing to do with who's president. It has nothing to do with who you vote for or will vote for. The only thing it has to do with is saving people's lives, which should be a nonpartisan issue. You would think, right? Human life probably. Yeah. You, you think, you think, but one, one would hope. <laughs> 
And I think maybe maybe one day we'll look back on this and we'll say, okay, why was it political? What was going on that turned something that should be, how do we save as many lives as possible into, you're a Democrat, you can't tell me what to do, or you're Republican, you're stupid. Like, how does that happen? Like, I don't get it. Um, I'll tell you how. Lack of skepticism. <laughs> what? No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's our episode. Uh, I hope you guys have learned something. You might find this useful, um, or maybe you can share it with someone who perhaps isn't as skeptical as they ought to be. And this can be a tool in their toolbox, a way to educate them and how to make better decisions, uh, both for themselves and for their family. Um, if you liked what we had to say, uh, give this podcast a like on whatever or rating on whatever platform you use to access it. It really helps. Um, that's the only way that other people are going to hear it. And that'll encourage us to keep making this podcast. It'll, it'll feed our ego and make us feel important. And then we'll want to do another one, which is really at the end of the day, what is the most important thing? Like yes. saving lives is great and all, but as long as I feel good about myself, <laughs> then we're fine. I mean, isn't that <laughs> what life's all about? Yeah. It's what my life is all about. <laughs> So while you're sitting at home, social distancing, growing a beard that's 10 feet long because you haven't seen another human being in six months, during all of that, remember, you've always got reason to doubt. Yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, stay safe. Uh, wear a mask. Um, and... that. God, I can't do a closing to save my life. I got you, bro. Okay. Never mind. I can't do either. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, All so right. just if, if, if you're going through life and 